The Langer Chronicles. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you, dear listeners. Welcome back to Floaters. It certainly is good to be back after we took a break during the the Christmas holidays. I hope you had a good one. And uh, while we were away,、uh, COVID turned one, and lockdown has turned three. Yes, that's right. The UK is in its third national lockdown in a year, and 2021 has never felt more familiar. Happy New Year, listeners! And、uh, it's funny because the other day I was chatting to a friend who lives in Vietnam. Shout out, Maisie Wright.、Um, she was saying, "Oh, when are you free to chat? We should we should chat maybe on Monday if you're free." And how I laughed. Am I free? Am I free? I'm in a lockdown, mate. I'm not working. Oh, I've got all the bloody time in the world. Of course, she's somewhere right now where there is no lockdown, and to the point where you know no one panics if you bump into them in the supermarket or you get a bit too close. Things are pretty normal over there. But、uh, bless her heart, she forgot. She forgot, didn't she? Anyway, while we're here, though, let's、uh, let's crack on with this episode. And this is the second instalment of the Langer Chronicles. The first episode,、uh, or the first instalment of the Langer Chronicles, was episode nine with Ola Langer. You can check that out. But today we are talking to Marisha Langer. Now we talked about、uh, a lot of things, of course, lots of waffles and chit chattings here and there. Did that sound like shit chattings? It was meant to be. Chit chattings, just to be clear there, and、uh, so yeah, we talked about, of course, the reluctance of calling somewhere home, of pinning that down, and negotiating sort of conflicting feelings about passport countries, our relationship with Catholicism because we were both brought up as Catholics. We even had our first communion together, and we talk about that on the podcast. And、um, oh, we also talk about Brexit. So if you had enough of that, if you had enough Brexit chat, that's your heads up. So. Without further ado, here is the second instalment of the Langer Chronicles with Marisha. I was born in Poland. My parents are Polish, and、uh, when I was two, we moved to Estonia. No, what am I saying? To England. We first moved to England, and then we moved to Estonia, where I met you.、Um, and then we moved to Slovenia. Then we went back to England, and then I moved to Poland when I was twelve. So. Then I lived in Poland for seven years, so that was an interesting experience for many reasons.、Um, I think I always kind of laugh that my parents did a bit of a social experiment where we were abroad for ten years and went to these multicultural, multinational schools, and then we came back to Poland and they chucked me into a Polish Catholic school, and I was like, what? Why is everyone the same?、Um, and it wasn't really their intent. I, the, it wasn't their intention to put us in the Catholic school because it had to be Catholic. It was just like people had recommended it as a good school, which it was.、Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a shock, definitely. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, do you have a favorite place that you you've lived over the years? Um. I have to say that I can't. I don't have that many memories from before Slovenia. Like I think because when we moved to Estonia, I was four, 
Uh, and when we moved to Slovenia, I was seven. And I think Slovenia is such a beautiful country to grow up in. And like every weekend we go cycling or skiing or we'd go to the seaside because it's such a small country. You can literally like do everything. So I think that was from like a childhood perspective, that was an amazing place to grow up in. Um, but right after that, we moved to London uh, and I loved London. That was a really cool place as well. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's kind of difficult to say i guess all of them had different like positive bits and and but i mean i loved slovenia as a kid but i don't think i'd like to live there now as an adult mm. um but yeah as a kid it was it was an awesome experience definitely i kind of leave poland out poland was cool as well <laughs> <laughs> but where are you based now so i live in birmingham of all places uh so after like after I graduated from school or even, so I first went to a Polish school for three years and my older sister, Ola, when we moved back to Poland, she was 16. So she went to an international school and she went off to London. And I think being the younger sister, I was like, oh, I want to do that as well. Like, and, and I really liked living abroad and just seemed like, you know, Poland was good, but I was getting itchy feet and I was like, I'm not going to stay here permanently. So I applied to schools in London but then I didn't get in. I didn't get the right score in maths, like my nemesis for life. And I was reapplying and I had some friends who went to uni in Scotland and Scotland, I don't know about now, but at the time anyway, was free uh, for EU students. So I was like, okay, let's try that. So I got a place in Glasgow, again, of all places. Like, it seems like I'm doing a tour of like the most you know, dangerous cities of the UK, Birmingham and <laughs> Glasgow, but it was great. I, I loved it. Um, but then after five years, I got itchy feet again, and I was like, it's time to move. So, yeah, so now I'm in Birmingham. And what prompted the decision to Birmingham? Was there anything in particular that sort of caught your eye? Yeah, yeah, so, like, actually, even when I went to Glasgow, in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm going to go to London after, that's where I'm going to train after I finish uni. Um, and then in my final year, I started thinking about like what I want to do and I started getting interested in sort of pursuing um, a bit of research in my training and Birmingham is really good for the field that I want to do and my little sister was living here at the time and it, it's quite competitive getting into the sort of research posts so I wasn't really expecting to get it um, but I applied because of that I was like that'd be really cool like I'd get a research post and I'd be in the same city with my little sister and maybe live with her um, and then I was like, if I don't get in, then I'll go to London. Uh, but I managed to get in. So I moved here. And when I moved here, like Birmingham is a cool city. Um, it's got lots to offer. But when I moved, I found it so tiring. I don't know whether it was the first time I moved as a proper adult. Because I feel like when you move to uni, it's still not the same. And it was just so tiring. And I kind of felt like, hmm maybe I don't want to do this again. Like, or maybe I'll do it one more time, but try finding a place I'll settle in. Um, and so I was here for, I did my foundation program, which lasted two years and I was applying for jobs again and then managed to get another job that I really wanted in the area. And it, I have such a like surreal feeling um, on the day I got the job and it's like a seven year post. I was driving back to Birmingham. Uh, I was working sort of in a place just outside. And I, I felt like this really, for me, really strange feeling of calm, like, okay, this is home now. You're going to be here for another seven years, like just settle. Um, and it was really nice after all the years of 
like having these itchy feet and feeling like, oh, I need to move, I need to move. Suddenly it was like, okay, mm. just stop. So do you think you found it a lot easier as a, as a kid then? Uh, probably, yeah. But I think, you know, the first time I moved, I was two. So it was my, like, I think it was my reality. Like, that was just normal. And that's why I think it shaped how I felt when I was older. Because I was like, well, I've been doing this since I was a kid. This is how we live or this is how I live. I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, and, and I think probably when you're a kid, you know, we have that like nuclear family you're so close to. And yeah, it's difficult changing schools and finding new friends, but we have that stability. And then think as an adult and when you start working, you're like, it's not that easy to meet new people and feel comfortable again in a new place. And yeah, I think it's, I get, yeah, I guess it just changed. Mm. And when you, when you, during your like school years, um, how were how were they like uh, you as a teenager did you find it quite easy to sort of fit in as you went from school to school um growing up i i think so um i've went through like the oddest different kinds of schools i guess you know international schools are it's kind of like an umbrella term but they're actually all quite different from each other like the school i went to in slovenia uh, we had all the grades from like first grade until i think about the age of 15 whatever grade that is, eighth grade or something. And there was 30 kids in the whole school. Um, it's just tiny. And then we went to London and my school was a lot bigger. But I think for the most part, I found it, I, I don't really have like strong memories of struggling with it. So I guess it went okay. It was a bit different when we moved back to Poland because, you know, in international schools, everybody was different and that was the norm. Whereas when I went to the Polish school, I was really the only kid that had lived abroad and kind of spoke a little funny and Polish is such a hard language and I made loads of mistakes. So it like was really obvious that I wasn't, you know, I'd ha- hadn't spent like my primary years there. Um, so that, that was a bit challenging and also with the language, but I, I, I think I was quite lucky because my year group had a hundred students, I think, and there was four classes and my, and you know how like in middle school you get like kids that are the cool kids and the uncool kids and, and for some reason, my class was just a group of not cool kids. Like we were all, there, you know, nobody, we were all a little bit different. Um, and that was perfect for me because like I didn't stand out. Um, and I had actually a really nice few years um, in my Polish medical, mid, middle school. But like my brother who went to the same school, um, but was a couple of years younger than me, he had a much harder time. So I guess I was kind of lucky I landed in a class of strange people. <laughs> <laughs> strange people are the best people yes yes exactly <laughs> exactly so when you were like growing up at home I mean obviously you spoke Polish and stuff with your with your family or your parents yeah. but which was it like a bilingual house then were you constantly swapping and changing between like English and Polish and yeah yeah for sure so like my parents were really good at making us speak Polish to them um but I spoke English with my siblings and to be honest for the most part we we usually do now anyway. I mean, it's kind of funny that like I, I live with my little sister now and when we go out of the house, we often switch into Polish and it's not really a conscious decision, but I think maybe over the years we've gotten used to the fact that like we can speak a language that maybe the majority doesn't speak. So often out of the house we'll speak Polish, but other than that, I speak English with my siblings most of the time. And then at the like if we'll have dinner together, I'll speak if I'm speaking directly to my parents, I'll speak in Polish. But if I'm like speaking to everyone, it'll often be English. 
Or I mean, some Ponglish weird thing. Ponglish. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wonder how, what a shock it must have been to be back in, in Poland, like living there properly for the first time and then in the schooling system. Um, like, did you expect to feel more at home when you got there? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I don't think I really thought about it that much when I was 12. I didn't really, really question it. And and I am really grateful for the fact that we did go back and I got to be a teenager there because given that I'm probably not going to go back, um, at least kind of my formative years were there and I do feel Polish partially thanks to that. Um, but it was kind of, you know, it was a bit of a weird time when we moved back because, like I said, my older sister was 16 and she was like, I'm moving back to London 100%. My mom loves the UK and loves London. And she was really unhappy when we moved back. She really didn't like being back in Poland. And and I think when you're 12, you know, like what, or at least for me, my older sister and how my mom felt really shaped how I felt. And they clearly were giving me the signals that like, oh, I don't really feel comfortable here. So I think it took me a while to actually get to a point where I was like, oh, I'm quite comfortable living here. Um, and, and to an extent I did. And then to an extent, I don't feel comfortable there. And, and, and that's why I don't live there. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. I feel like No, I, th- I think you did. You answered it beautifully. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess it's a really interesting time in Poland right now, generally with everything going mm. on. Um, so yeah, it must Absolutely. be very conflicting to have those sort of like feelings um, towards it. And, um, and also a yeah, very, very yeah. Catholic country. I mean, going to oh Catholic God, school, yeah. I mean, also Catholic over here. Of course, we had our first Holy Communion together, in fact. Oh, so um, we did, yeah. We did. Um, <laughs> lovely pictures oh, those are. And maybe I'll use yeah. that as the picture to, to promote this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we had some cute dresses as well. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. <laughs> we did. I remember my little hands couldn't hold. Or, and we kept getting flowers, I remember that. And I remember just trying to hold all of them, but my hands are too small. I don't remember anything about the service, really. But um, No, the thing I remember distinctly is after we went home, I had like this big white dress. And I have like, there's an album. <laughs> oh my God, this is so embarrassing. There's an album of like a photo shoot that I had in my communion dress. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> and do you know what? This is the first time I thought about this in years and only now has the thought occurred to me how strange that is. <laughs> Like, I don't have, like, an album from prom or something. I have an album from, like, communion. Well, I get it, though. You know, pretty dress. You know, you looked really gorgeous. You just want to be like, yes, yes. You know, take, lap it all up. Lap it all up. Savor the memory. It's hilarious. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, going to, like, a Catholic school as well, because was that your your first experience of Catholic school when you went there? Yeah, yeah. First and only. So it was, um, I think when I was... I mean, I I sort of, when I was 12, I don't think I questioned much, you know, my, my parents, my dad particularly is Catholic, you know, we prayed at home, we like, um, prayed before having a meal and so on. So a lot of that stuff was happening in the school, you know, we'd pray in the morning and there'd be like a monthly mass and so on. So I think I was just like, oh, whatever, it's, you know, a break from classes or something. It didn't really bother me that much. And I didn't really question it that much. I think when I started reaching the age of like 14, um, then it started becoming a problem for me and not so much what the school was doing, but just the, like the values and the 
you know, what people thought, like my peers. I remember we had like a sex ed session and one of my, like one of the guys in my class was like saying such homophobic things. And I was just like, what is this? Like, this is, I, this, these aren't my values. Like, why are people saying these things? And I think that's when I started questioning, you know, I, I think before I didn't really think about it that much. And then I started just questioning, you know, what, what does it mean to be Catholic and are, and, you know, really disassociating um, from those values. And, and, and I know that I'm generalizing a bit here and Catholicism has sort of different faces, but I think definitely in Poland, it's very conservative. Uh, and yeah, I just really didn't align with it, you know, like, or we had like teachers who had gone through divorces and there was, you know, kids or rather parents of kids saying, oh, they shouldn't be teaching in a Catholic school. Like they've gone through a divorce, things like that. And I was like, what mm. are you guys, you know? So yeah, I think at that stage, I started feeling really out of place from that perspective. Mm. Um, you stopped all the kids were Catholic. Oh, sorry. No, not at all. No, no, not at all. Like I, um, I had confirmation when I was like 15, 16, but to be completely honest, like what, what had happened was I changed schools and some of my really close friends were doing their confirmation in a church that was like around the corner from my house. Um, and I just, so it was convenient. To, exactly. I like wanted an excuse to see them every week and they'd come back to my place after and we'd like, you know, watch a movie or something. So, but I think as like at that age of 50, 16, as I was going through confirmation, like that feeling of hypocrisy was really growing in my head. And I was like, uh, you're not here for the, for the right reasons. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I don't practice at all. I, I don't believe so. It's an interesting thing. I think in my head, I, I sort of parallel the experience of falling out of love with the religion I was brought up in with like finding out Santa wasn't real. I mean, spoiler alert, mm. just in case anyone did think Santa was <laughs> real. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I would like slowly and slowly, like things didn't line up or things didn't make sense. And like you, I gave it a good old go. I did the confirmation and everything. And, yeah. um, <laughs> but I was just like, I think actually, yeah, there was one day. Um, so at, at boarding school, we had to go to mass every Sunday and um Lovely. there i remember reading in the news before i went to mass there was like there was a petition a petition <laughs> petition that's the word uh to try and make sure that gay people openly gay people didn't become priests in the catholic church and i was like that that's really weird and then i get to mass and then afterwards you know when they're doing the little notices like there's going to be tea and coffee in the room yeah, next yeah. door and that um instead father frank said oh and there's also if you'd like to support this petition and i was like i don't know if you're allowed to say that are you allowed to say that and because the, the 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 chapel was within the school as well and they had people from outside of school come in uh, at, like as part of the congregate congregation and stuff in the parish but i I think that was a real pin drop moment of just like, mm -mm, I do not agree with this at yeah. all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, you know, like I, I like to make a joke that, you know, my parents sent us to Catholic school and now none of us go to church, but it's like, it's, it's a simplification because it wasn't really the, the school, you know, like the, the school wasn't preaching the Catholicism that hard. Um, and, and it was a good school. And I have good memories from the school, but it was more just, yeah, the values that, that came with it and, you know, just hearing your peers say things that you can, like, it was just blowing my mind. 
Um, and and unfortunately, you know, that kind of it that kind of homophobia and and conservatism is you know present throughout a lot of Poland, not just you know Catholic schools. Um, I don't know whether whether this was around when you uh, when you lived in Warsaw, but one of the main sort of roundabouts in the city center used to have this massive rainbow that was built. I don't know if you'd ever seen it, but anyway, so. so so it wasn't built as like a symbol of pride, but I think inevitably it sort of became that. And and really, unfortunately, it was built on a roundabout that has one of the most conservative churches in, in Warsaw. Um, and over a couple of years, like it just became like a battle of like some vandals, but also parishioners of that church who were um, uh, burning down the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the city would rebuild it. And then the parishioners would like I'm not saying all of them, but clearly a couple of them would burn the rainbow down again, and then the city would rebuild it again. And it just got to a point where the city had spent so much money rebuilding this rainbow that they stopped. Um, wow. Yeah, which you can you can understand, but then equally, I think for me, I think I was living maybe I was at uni already at this stage by the time they completely stopped rebuilding it. For me, it was such a like I don't know. It just really hurt, you know. Like this is this is the country that I come from. This is the capital that is supposed to be the most, you know, metropolitan and open-minded in comparison to other bits of the country. Um, And this is happening, you know, and I just, I was like, I can't align with this. Like, I don't, I don't want to live in a place where this is acceptable, you know, where this, where these things happen. It was so dark in here. Let me put some lights on. Um, I I totally agree like that's it's such a difficult thing and I mean I mean I feel that way right now about the UK Um, you know it's supposed to be somewhere where I'm from but actually it's rejecting a lot of the things that I believe in and I wonder someone like yourself who is an EU citizen and you've chose to live here and build your life here well at least for seven years in Birmingham um, and who knows what's next Um, like how that's affected you like with everything going on uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a hard one because I suppose when, when the original Brexit elections were happening, um, I was living in Scotland, which is, was very pro-EU. Um, and so I definitely felt like I was living in an area that was aligning with my values and people, you know, wanted me there. Um, and I think, I think it'd be, I guess, you kind of interpret things on a slightly individual level. And it's, I don't want to move back to Poland because of not aligning with their values and also training as a doctor there is horrible and I don't really want to do that. Um, So, you know, where else do I go? And like the training opportunities in the UK for what I want to do are really good. And I guess I just kind of, you know, not everything is perfect. So it's a bit of like a balance, like, okay, this is what I'm prioritizing. Um despite Brexit. And, and I mean, on a day-to-day basis, like I must say that a lot of the people that I work with or my friends, you know, they aren't like Brexiteers and they do want me here. So I, I'm not feeling like, even though, you know, if you read what's going on in the press and the media, like that's different, but I don't personally feel like someone's trying to chuck me out of here and, you know, reject me. <laughs> God, that's a relief. That's a re- real relief to hear. <laughs> I mean, so when people ask you where you're from, because of course you've got like an American accent, um, are they surprised when you tell them that you're Polish? Yeah. And do you know what? I actually, I was thinking about whether that's 
part of the reason why I've not really experienced much animosity against Polish people. Um, because I think people, when they hear me speak, they think I'm a native. Like, they don't know what I'm native to. <laughs> but I sound like a native English speaker. So they're like, oh, she's probably from somewhere. And I mean, I get asked this question like so much like honestly on a bad day i can get asked like three or four times where i'm from um and i know that i like i i mean i feel a bit bad for complaining about it but it does get a bit annoying because i tell people they're like oh where are you from and i'm like i'm from poland and they're like what you're from poland because i don't sound it and then i have to tell them more information than i necessarily want to or or have time for you know so so yeah but i often get like oh are you from ireland and i'm like never live there i get that all the time and i don't know whether it's because of the five years in glasgow whether sometimes something like i i sometimes think because i often get this asked at work like are you from ireland and i wonder whether because i learned how to speak with patience and that professional language whilst in glasgow and i definitely don't have a glaswegian accent but i wonder if something like influenced it so that when I am in that professional context my accent changes and I get this weird twang that's what I've been told I, I don't know why oh, that's um, interesting it's out of my control completely I don't oh. know what that sound is sorry <laughs> okay um but that's interesting I mean so has your answer sort of changed over the years do you have like everyone seems to have like a short version and like a long version yeah so I think it kind of depends probably on my mood and then maybe even more than that, like assessing what I think my relationship is going to be with that person. Cause often it's patients or it's work colleagues, maybe that I'm working with very shortly. So it's like, Oh, I'm Polish. Oh, but your accent doesn't sound Polish. Yeah. I know I went to international schools. I've lived in a lot of places. That's my short answer. It's like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I guess the other one is just like, Oh, I'm Polish, but I'm kind of Polish because I don't really have a right to be anything else. And then it goes into the whole story about like where I've lived and, and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You've really got to sort of roll the dice. Like, is this worth my time today or can yeah. I just move on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, I, I was having this conversation with my little sister and she, she was, cause I was, I came home and I think it must've been a day where I'd been asked quite a few times and I was a bit fed up. And she was like, Oh, I like it so much when people ask me, but then we realized that she doesn't get asked so often because a lot of the people she interacts with, she knows well. So she's had those conversations. Whereas because I, the turnover of people I see is so big that I often have to have that conversation. Um, and it just gets a bit, I don't know. I'm just like, whatever. I, I don't really feel like talking about this. It's a long story. It's complicated. <laughs> like, yeah, that's totally yeah. fair enough as well. I mean, because I think I get away with it now. Um, the only reason people would ask me is because of my name, like, because it's quite a yeah, yeah. interesting sounding name. So like full name that is. And then they go, oh, so where's that from? Oh, where's that from? Oh, but you don't sound like you're a bit Spanish. You don't sound like this. And you just, yeah. and then you're like, oh, well, okay, let me explain to you how this works. So, um, but other than that, I guess I've got a, a sort, sort of a privilege in that respect that I can sort of hide behind my absurdly yeah. posh accent and people just assume oh she's from down the road probably or she's yeah, from, yeah. from you around know. here yeah exactly so um oh sorry but I guess in a way I get to like I mean I I don't get to hide in the sense that people can't place it but I get to sometimes I just you know because I do sound like I'm native mm. um and I'd like to think I am because actually English is 
oh, I'm a lot better at English than I am at Polish. So if English is not my native language, I do not have a native language. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I kind of get to hide in it as well. And I mean, I've never experienced the the flip side, but like I had this conversation with um, one of my close friends' husband who was born in Poland, but moved to Germany when he was two and spent most of his life there. And I think in Germany, the same way in the UK, because there's a lot of Polish people coming to do like working class jobs, there is, you know, some element of discrimination. And he was asking me like what my experience of that was. And I was like, I, I've really, other than very few situations, have not ever felt like I was discriminated against because I was Polish. But maybe that's because I don't sound it. Don't know. Or maybe English people are a lot more open-minded than I think. <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's probably a mix of a mix of the two. Um, yeah. In yeah. that case, yeah. I yeah. I wonder. Well, I'm really glad to hear that you haven't had much black backlash if at all for anything like that in this country i find that very reassuring because yeah as you say you don't often read that at all in the press and things um but yeah, i wonder yeah. um, do you miss traveling at the moment because of course we're very restricted and everything do you oh miss being gosh, able to yeah. I don't know, visit your parents and stuff as well definitely i mean a really so i so there is the element of not seeing my parents, which sucks. And I was supposed to see them in September and literally like a day before my flight, they changed the rules so that I'd have to self-isolate for two weeks when I come back. And I can't do that with my job. So I couldn't go and see them. Um, but another way that I found it really difficult is just even travel within the UK. So, you know, when I moved from Glasgow, I left a lot of my really close friends um, and I did that because I was like, oh, I'm going to live with my sister and I'm pursuing the career that I want and that's okay. And it's not that big of a country. It's literally a four hour direct train. And before Brexit, so that was almost like a year and a half that I was living here. I went there really often and I felt, even though I was in a different city, I felt really close to them. Uh, but since Brexit, like I've, so I lived with these two girls for four years. They're like, one of my closest friends are practically like family and I've not seen them since New Year's Eve, which is crazy. I, you know, like people I'd seen day in, day out for four years, haven't seen them for a year because of COVID and, and it's made me feel really isolated. And I think a lot of people feel that like you suddenly feel like the, the city you live in or your house even is, you know, where you can stay and, and you're so detached from, from, you know, your friends and, and I guess, I know I, I am living with my sister, so she is my family, but I don't live in my hometown, whatever that is. I don't live in the same city with my parents. So actually not being able to travel makes you feel even, maybe even more isolated than people who are in their hometown, you know, because like my, my, there's only a couple of people I'm very close to here. So yeah, definitely. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you enjoy the whole process of traveling as well? Like going to the airport or taking the train? Uh, I don't mind it. Uh, like I, the first time I flew, I didn't even know how to walk. So flying is very like second nature to me. Um, and I don't mind it. Like I, oh, whatever it's travel, like it, it's fine. Um, what I really don't like is traveling with my, uh, with my dad in particular, because he for work has traveled so much that he's got the whole like I think one of the the people on your podcast was talking about this as well like he's got the process down to like a T like I get it like he he spends so much time traveling that he doesn't want to spend like an extra minute at the airport that he doesn't need to um but I'm like I like being at the airport 
with a lot of time in advance. Like I'm not doing anything in particular, but like, I don't like the stress. Um, and that's not the experience with him. It's just like, we get to the airport, like 40 minutes before the gate closes and we still have to like check in our luggage and, and go through security. And, and it's just like such a pain. This yeah. Okay. Oh God. I mean, it's like that. I think I mentioned on that episode as well. It's just like that with my dad as well. He just gets so anxious and like my older sister Teresa is a very much sort of like she'll cut it fine but like she'll do it in a way or explain it in a way that sort of um makes sense she'll be like no 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 because listen if I turn up five minutes before I'm not actually wasting any time like I'm just on time and and she'll do that even like <laughs> this is not related to travel but like as someone who loves the theatre like I you know we go to the theatre together sometimes when the theatres were open that is and um she she cut it so fine and when there are that many people in that sort of smaller space she'd turn up and then I'd be the one red in the face going where the hell have you been I've been waiting here so long everyone's like already sat down and she's like just chill out okay making me feel like I'm an idiot I'm like god damn it Teresa so annoying I'm definitely like get there 20 minutes early I think recently I took a like not recently but one of the most recent flights I took, which was probably a year ago, I remember arriving at the gate as it was opening and I felt like a bit anxious. I was like, oh my goodness, it's open already. <laughs> like, oh, this is really cutting it fine. You know, and it takes like 20 minutes for people to board and, you know, it would have been open for ages, but I was like, oh geez, that was a little, need to allow myself a little more time <laughs> next time. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't really, I, I think I prefer traveling by train just because I feel like you get to sit down and kind of chill out. Whereas traveling by plane, it's like, she's got to do so many things and undress, well, not, you know, like take your coat off and your belt. Well, in some cases, you know. <laughs> uh, and it's just a hassle. So, yeah. Yeah, I know but what you mean. It's, it's not a, a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things, isn't it, that you have to do. And, um, but yeah, I feel that way as well. Like, have you ever missed a flight, by the way? I have. Once. <gasps> me too <laughs> it was horrible talk me it through it horrible. what happened so basically this was the year i think this was the year that i graduated from school and my parents as a gift to me had like bought me flights and like accommodation with my older sister to go to the south of spain and it was just like the worst like it was terrible so we allowed a lot of time like we had plenty of time to get to the airport and we were traveling traveling I think from Gatwick so we just everything went wrong like we got to the train station and our train was supposed to depart in a couple of minutes and it was already on the platform so we got onto the train and as the doors were closing we were like this is departing like a minute or two minutes early or something, and then realized that there was another train on the platform. So uh, the the train was like going in completely opposite direction. So we were like, it's fine. We have so much time. It's okay. We'll just get off at the next station and, and just go back. It's okay. The train didn't stop for like half an hour. Um, so, but we were like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. So we got off at the next station. We were waiting for like the train to come back and they kept getting delayed and not coming. They're like, okay, this is not good. So then we saw that from a different platform, there was a train going, I think it was to Victoria. And I think there's like Gatwick Express goes from Victoria. Um, So we saw that a train was just going to Victoria. So we ran to that train, got on the train. We were like, okay, it's fine. We're going to make it. Uh, And then that train was one of those trains that like stops at every single stop. 
So it took ages to get to Victoria. So anyway, as we were pulling into Victoria, we could see the Gatwick Express just leaving. And we were like, no. So then we got our tickets, had to wait. I think they go every 20 minutes or something or half an hour. I can't remember what it was at the time. Anyway, we managed to get it. And obviously we missed like the gate closing by like 10 or 15 minutes man that's the worst feeling in the world isn't it yeah it was terrible my parents were so nice though they like bought us other flights and I ended up having my holiday but like it was horrible and it's like you know two three hours of constant stress because like everything kept going wrong and we're like maybe we can make it maybe we can make it and then yeah right at the last hurdle oh god it's so what about you when did you miss your flight I mean, it was, it was ages ago. It was when we were living in Warsaw and I was in the UK and it was when I was trying to get into drama school. So I'd like, I'd book loads of auditions in one go and then I'd like fly back. And I was, <laughs> I was on the National Express coach on the way to, it must've been Gatwick or Stansted, wherever it was. And um, as I was driving, I was like looking at the time that the, um, the bus was due to arrive and the time of my flight which happened to be the exact same time. And I was like, hang on a second. But why have I, why have I done that? Like, hang on, that can't be right. That can't be right. So there I am panicking and I'm like, there's nothing I could do because I'm on the bus. And the last thing I could oh, think no. to do is like, when we arrive at the airport, I'm like, right, I'm first getting off this bus. I'm the first person, okay? So I'm, the, I'm that annoying person who before the vehicle's even like, stopped. Excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> literally, I'm just getting my bags. I'm like, right, I'm going, I'm going. And then I get to the desk and of course they're like, oh, we did call your name. But yeah, the flight's already taken off. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then it's that awful, but like, as you know, that phone call to your parents to be like, help, I'm stuck. Yeah, that was not a good phone call because it was just like, uh, what do we do now? And like, they paid for the accommodation that we're spending the week, you know, already. So like, it was just going to be wasted money. So yeah, it was so bad. I remember my sister was like crying at the desk. <laughs> I was just like, oh no. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> it was well- an amazing holiday in the end. Like, I'm so glad I got to go. Like, um, it's, yeah, but <laughs> such a well, bad experience. At least there's a happy ending to the story. That's always yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I always like to ask people um, on the podcast, um, like, where they fit on the scale of like um, restlessness or rootedness. Hmm. I think I've probably gone through some sort of transition because I would have definitely considered myself very restless, you know, with in terms of like, and I think I probably have quite a restless personality in terms of like, I don't like sitting around too much and I'm always doing something. But I think with this, you know, getting really tired of like moving and so on, I feel like a bit more it's time to get a bit more rooted for my peace of mind, probably. And I think mm-hmm. COVID is also forcing that on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Can't really do anything. Is that is that what you were referring to? Like, oh yeah, it- yeah. No, I mean, because like a lot of the things I've read, um, particularly about people who are TCKs, it's like you're either always looking for something new or, you know, your new challenge or your new move or your new job. And then there are some people who are actually just quite happy to settle in a certain place and have a a life there. And, um, and I think there's a, it's a really conflicting sort of feeling because also I personally, I feel sometimes like I, I feel like I I have to want more. Like, I feel like I have Mm. to 
want to travel more or want to work somewhere else. And, and actually COVID has done the opposite to what you've described to me. It's made me go, actually, maybe I, this isn't enough for me to stay in this country. Maybe I do need to keep moving because, okay. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a, yeah, along those lines is kind of what I meant, I guess. But it seems like, yeah, you, you seem to have settled quite nicely in, in, in um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I definitely have a restless like day-to-day personality like if I, if I've got like a weekend where I'm not doing anything, it very quickly becomes a weekend where I'm doing a lot of things. Um, but, but I guess, I mean, I I don't know whether Birmingham is going to be like my long-term home, but it is definitely for the near future. And I think, I think some stability is good for me. Like, I think I, I need something not to keep changing, but Equally, like now that I know that I'm going to be here, like, for example, economically, it makes the most sense to like put down a deposit for her house. And I know logically that that's the right thing to do rather than spend money on on rent. But I think maybe there's a part of me of this like kid that kept moving countries every couple of years that is just really like emotionally struggling with that. Like it just feels like such a huge commitment, you know, like this is where I'm staying. That's it. You know, like, I mean, not that, you know, you can still move if you have a house somewhere, but it's more difficult. Like it's, it's a big financial thing. Um, so, so yeah, I think I'm probably slowly coming to terms with the fact that I do need to like settle down a little bit that I need that. that that's what I want inside. Um, and I guess this is going to be the place, but, but 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 then you know the other thing as well is that like I feel very comfortable in the UK and I would call this my home in certain ways. But then I'm not from here. Like I've spent more years living in the UK than I have in Poland. But I I don't feel British, whatever that means. Um, and I'm not sure I ever could. And the question is like, is that maybe that's not a thing that exists? You know, like for, for people like us, like maybe I should just abandon that concept and just accept the fact that I'm always not going to feel from somewhere exactly I don't know I think that's a really good way of looking at I think well one of my guests I think um Isabel Neve she said um she sees like home and identity as a sort of fluid thing and I think that's quite Mm -hmm. a nice way of thinking about it as well and not being one set thing I mean the only time it becomes sort of an issue I suppose is like when you need the right documentation to go certain places and things like that that's when you're like okay where shall I align my identity but um but yeah I think um I think that's a really sort of that's a healthy way of looking at it and um something we can all I think it's hard though like I think that's what I eventually have to do but I mean, I, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable with this like fluid identity than I did. Um, I think when I was a bit younger, I think when I was 18, 19, I was really struggling with it, you know, really struggling with like, I'm Polish, but like, I don't really want to live there. And, you know, I, I think I had a lot of like dissonance inside me of like, what, who am I? <laughs> um, and I think I've accepted, like, I've come to a point where I've accepted that I, I don't fit into a box and that's okay. And I have my own box and, and because of this own box, I've met so many great people that kind of understand that, you know, understand that you don't have an identity. And then that stops even being like 
an issue, you know, it's kind of like, oh, okay, we connect on this and then whatever your friends for other reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's really lovely actually. Um, well, I'll round off our conversation with, is there anything today you'd like to plug or promote? Um, sure. <laughs> so during, uh, my gosh, uh, during a lockdown, my little sister and I were a bit bored her in particular, because she was furloughed. Um, and we set up a YouTube channel. So if anybody is uh, wanting to, to watch uh, us make fools of ourselves while we cook, uh, our channel is called Brummy Blondies on YouTube. Um, it's, yeah. But other than that, I don't think so. Oh my God, it is the best show on YouTube, I think. <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, we love don't it. have that much time anymore, unfortunately um because we're she's like back at uni now and does i don't i don't know how it looks like from your perspective um but to be completely honest with you i put in five percent of the work and she does 95 like (laughs) i just come i stir something i'll say something and i'll eat it that's it and she's like she like goes through all the recipes she like because she's studying drama so you know and has like a directing module so she'll like draw out the scenes and then she does all the editing and she does the filming i mean honestly i can't really complain that i don't have the time it's her that doesn't have the time like she it's a lot of effort for her but but yeah we've had a lot of fun with it so if anyone's keen to waste 10 minutes of their life (laughs) highly recommend it (laughs) it will it will only add to your life if you ask me only add (laughs) Great. I really do think that Marisha is just one of those people that it doesn't matter how much time has passed since we last spoke, things will just click back into place as soon as we do. It was really lovely to chat to her, so glad to hear she's doing well, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that too. And um, to make sure you don't miss the next instalment of the Lange Chronicles, because we're halfway through now, we've got two more to go, make sure you've subscribed to us. Make sure, make sure you subscribe. And you can find us, what a juicy little segue that is, by the way. Oh, juicy. You can find us on Acast, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and we're even now on Google Podcasts. Ooh. And we also have an email address now, guys. Ooh. We are getting serious in here. Our email is floaterspod, all one word, at gmail.com. So if you want to hit us up with a little message, let us know how you're doing, any questions, queries, concerns, just hit us up, give us a little email. And of course, we're on social media. We're on Instagram, floaters underscore pod is where you can find us. That's all from me in studio wardrobe. Uh, where things are getting a little bit hectic, but uh, we're managing. We're getting through it, you know. And there's nothing left to say other than thank you once again to Marisha for sitting and chatting with me. Thank you to Adora for, um, not sound help, that's Aral. <laughs> thank you to Adora for your help with graphics. And thank you to Aral for your help with sound. And thank you to you, dear listener. I can't wait for you to hear the rest of the episodes coming up. They are golden. All right. Until next time. Bye-bye.